Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Someone talk. Okay, if you're there, can you say amen? amen? Beginning in verse one, it says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Psalm 112, what an incredible, beautiful psalm. It's one of my favorite psalms. And I think it speaks a lot when it comes to families and generations and We've been talking about building good homes with strong relationships. And we're going to look at Psalm 112 for the next 25, 26 minutes. We'll talk about it. And let's see what we can learn today as we close out this series, Family Feud. We'll talk about this uh, for 25, 26 minutes, and we'll get up one more time, worship. And I just believe God's going to heal some people here today. That's been our prayer. Honestly, it's been our prayer for the whole month of February that homes would get stronger marriages will be restored families will be mended and today if you came in and your situation is a mess and you're like Alex that's for everybody else you don't know my situation I don't but there's a God who does and he loves you he's for you he's on your side and I believe he's a healer and I believe that today we're gonna go home different in Jesus name amen if you're taking notes the way we say it at youth on Friday nights I love what they say if you don't write it down you won't remember it and so if you're taking notes I titled this message the blessing of change the blessing of change. Let's pray, and then we'll talk about Psalm 112 for a few minutes, and then we'll worship Jesus. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy. Thank you for this household of faith. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for people here today, physically, and those watching online. Thank you for this community, this family called Calvary Church. I pray that today you would help us to put our eyes on you, God. Thank you for loving people like us. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it, but you've been kind and gracious to us. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do as we open up your word. I pray that today chains will be broken. Eyes would be open. I pray that you would heal families, marriages. I pray that you would restore relationships, that you'll bring freedom in this place today. I know you're here, Holy Spirit. Walk amongst every aisle, every row, every person connected and speak to our hearts. We thank you. We love you. You are a good God. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that all of Calvary Church says. Come on, all of Calvary Church says. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. 
The United States relay national team, sprint team, has been absolutely atrocious the last few years. If you've watched any of the Olympics, if you paid attention to our national team and the sprint relay team, they have failed miserably the last almost 14 years. In 2008, they dropped the baton as they were going around the track. In 2009, they disqualified themselves by passing it wrongly. In 2011, one ran into another person's track from another country, and so they got disqualified. In 2014, the same thing happened, and they failed, and they've just been absolutely atrocious. They failed. They don't practice. Passing the baton is a work of art. And most teams from most countries, they'll practice it really well and they'll make sure they get the details right because if you pass the baton correctly, it means you have more chances of success in winning the relay race. One critic that he was talking about the U.S. national team, he said, well, the problem with our country and our team is that they don't put in the practice. And so when the Olympics and the games come around, when the lights turn on, they fold under pressure. They fold under pressure. I was thinking about this example because I think it fits when it comes to families, children, generations that will come after us. I wonder what has been passed down to us. I wonder what the families before us, perhaps a mom or a dad, an uncle, an aunt, what they spoke over our life. Maybe some of us were in here today and, and we know what people said about us, what parents spoke about us what got handed down in relationships, in families. Maybe it was some good stuff. Maybe it was, it was a baton of anger. It was a baton of, of rage. Maybe it was impatience. Maybe it was some bad stuff, that toxic stuff that just got handed down. Mental toxic traits, unhealthy emotional patterns, no kind of godly, spiritual, healthy things. Like it just got passed down. And now what are we passing down to the generation that's coming after us? It just makes me think, like, what are we doing with our children, with our families, with the people around us, with cousins, with brothers, with sisters? What kind of relationships are we going to have? And what will we leave once we leave this place? Like, we are all handed down something, and we will all hand down something. Like, whether you like it or not, you got handed down some physical things from your mother and your father. Like, it just happened, right? Like, some of us, we look just like our father or just like our mother. Like, gen genetics, DNA. My daughter came out with my nose. Pray for her. Like, she's, like it's, it just happens. It's in the DNA. Like, God help her. I'm praying for a miracle right now. Like, some of you are like, I know, I look just like that. Thank God my dad came out just like me. He got blessed. And... <laughs> People say it all the time, you guys look alike. And I'm like, yeah, he came out like me, right? But, but we get certain things handed down to us, and you have no choice in that. But just like we get physical things, maybe it's a watch, an inheritance, a house, we also get behavioral patterns. We also get things that are handed down to us when it comes to our predispositions, when it comes to our inclinations, when it comes to our propensities. Some of us have certain mannerisms, certain things that we do, certain ways that we act, certain ways that we think because it got handed down to us generationally through family. And we're like, okay, this is, I guess, the way it is. This is what I learned in my home. This is what I saw my dad. I saw my dad mistreat my mom, so I'm just going to follow in that order because the husband, he is the king of the house. And when I say goes, if you say amen there, you're going home in a really bad place. Like, that's not, 
right? But, but we just follow what we've learned. It's learned behavior. Right, right. This happens in, you study psychology, this happens across the board. Learned behaviors that we see, reinforced behaviors that we were exposed to. Well, I just saw my mom, she never had a husband and she spoke bad about men, so that's the way I just treat my husband now because they're, they're up to no good. And, and, and so what we do is that we just follow the patterns that we learned at home. If we're not careful, what we experience, we continue to do. That's so true. In fact, I put it this way, we repeat what we don't repair. We're going to continue repeating what we don't fix. Well, this is what my mom and my dad taught me. This is what my uncle showed me. This is what cousins told me. This is what a brother, a sibling, a sister told me to do. So I'm going to keep repeating the pattern in my family until I fix it. Until I decide to say, I'm going to change what is happening in my family. I'm not going to continue the cycle of dysfunction. I'm not going to make an excuse that it's just what I learned and it's just who I am. Because we're... We're really good at making excuses. We're really good at saying, well, I mean, you, I mean, I'm Cuban. It is what it is. What do you want me to tell you? I'm Scottish. It's in my blood. <laughs> I'm Jamaican. You don't know how Jamaican. Get, get in front of me. I'll cut you. Like, it's just, it's just how we are. And so we, we, we fault people. We fault bloodlines to only make an excuse of our behavior. And the problem is we will find all kinds of different things to excuse our behavior instead of being disciplined to say, I'm not going to let this continue. I'm going to make a change in my family. I'm going to make a change in my marriage. I'm going to make a change in my relationship. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, we can all continue with excuses. Oh, come on. All of us can, can, can be excused. But Alex, you have no idea how my dad treated me. Alex, you have no idea what I was exposed to. I don't. But here's what I'll say. Like, we can't be victims the rest of our life. Like, I think we're living in a generation that now loves to be a victim. And victims, they like regroup. They, they like, those spirits attract each other. And so there's three or four victims all hanging around. You know what it is? It's an excuse to keep on with your bad behavior. Well, I'm a victim. Yeah, all of us are victims of something. All of us face some kind of trauma. All of us were talked to in a negative way or in a condescending way from somebody in our childhood experience. But I'm not going to keep being a victim. I'm going to decide to be a victor today in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to keep being the victim of this, the victim of that. I'm not going to keep making an excuse. Come on, today I'm going to decide to make a difference. And what we were exposed to as children has a major effect in our families today. And so some of us, we have dysfunction in our family, in our home, our marriages, we're all over the place. And Alex, you have no idea what God handed down to me and what I'm handing down to my children. And I ain't changing because this is the way it is. I mean, it's, it's happening. It's repeated behavior. Look, look at some statistics that we found. And this happens of trauma that happened, adverse things that happened to children and what happens in their future. It says one in six adults experience four or more types of adverse childhood experience, some trauma in their life. One in six. Preventing this could reduce the number of adults with depression by as much as 44%. At least five of the top 10 leading causes of death are associated with adverse childhood experiences. Preventing adverse childhood experience can help children and adults lower risk for conditions like depression, asthma, cancer, and diabetes in adulthood. Adverse childhood experiences can also negatively impact education, job opportunities, and, earning, uh, and earnings potential. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. That's 20 times the average. Our family health, what we're finding out now, research is telling us, 
It actually comes down from our family experience. Some of us are stressed out, discouraged, depressed. Some of us are anxious with high blood pressure. Some of us are facing physical, mental, emotional, spiritual problems. And what we don't realize is that it started in a home. Some of us are having marriage problems, not because the husband or the wife is difficult, but because it started in the marriage that we witnessed where we grew up. Some of us don't have relationships with a mother or a father, not because they're difficult, but because that's what I experienced growing up and that's what I saw in my family. Some of us don't talk to cousins and don't have friends, don't have any kind of good relationships because we saw that as a pattern in our childhood and so it shows up in our life today. And so I believe that today, every every single one of us, we need to make a decision to change that. To say, I'm not going to be a victim of my past. I'm not going to continue to just say, this has a stronghold in my life, so I'm just going to give into it. I believe in the name of Jesus, strongholds can be broken. And here's what I'll tell you. Just because there's pain in your history doesn't mean there can't be joy in your future. Oh, come on. I believe in a good God. Come on. Let's take a minute to talk about our God. Oh, come on. I know we experienced some pain, but I believe in a healing God. I know we went through some trauma, but I believe in a God that can turn it around. I believe in a God that can bless marriages. I believe in a God that can raise it up, mend it, and fix it. He can heal the heart. He can heal the soul. He can fix the marriage. He can fix the son. He can fix the daughter. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you give God a praise for a moment? Oh, come on. Anybody in here believe it? I'm making a change in my family today. I'm not going to keep blaming my Cuban blood. (laughs) I'm not a victim. I'm victorious in Jesus' name. And if I looked at my family history, you looked through all my Carfax, I got a whole bunch of accidents and crashes. But thank God he is a God of new beginnings. Thank God he's a God of new starts. Come on, somebody in here, I'm telling you, you're not a victim anymore. In Jesus' name, you stand up and you believe that he heals, that he saves, that he delivers, that he makes all things new. Can I get an amen? Tell your neighbor, I'm not a victim in Jesus' name. Some of us, we can't even begin to process that because we've been victims for so long. It's just the way my marriage is going to be forever. I ain't never going to have a relationship with my mom. You know how difficult she is. I know God is greater. And I know God can heal. And I'm not saying there can't be healthy boundaries, but God is able. Can I get an amen? I put it this way today. What happened in our past is not as important as what is promised in our future. Come on, he's a God who gives us new beginnings. Can I get an amen? Amen. He's a God who gives new beginnings and new futures. Your story doesn't have to end the way it started. This is what I love about Psalm 112. Psalm 112 is absolutely beautiful. It's actually a poetic psalm. It's Hebrew poetry. And old ancient Jews used to see it as one of the most beautiful art pieces of Hebrew poetry. In fact, Psalm 112 It actually pairs up perfect with Psalm 111, and many call them the twin psalms, and you got to read them both together. In the Hebrew, they're identical. They literally are identical. They're both acrostics in Hebrew, and they both go through the Hebrew alphabet, eight verses, which are absolutely amazing. Psalm 111 is all about God. If you go back and read Psalm 111, it's all about God, the study of God, who God is. Psalm 112 is all about humanity and man. And what does it look like when we understand Psalm 111? And so what theologians say is that 
Psalm 111 is theology. Psalm 112 is anthropology. Psalm 111 is the study of God, who is God, and fearing God. Psalm 112 is when you understand that correctly, it plays out in your life and how he will bless you. If you have a low view of God like we talked about last week, it'll show how you treat humanity. If you have a high view of God and you worship God and you live in reverence and fear and worship to that God, you'll see how he'll bless your life. And Psalm 112 shows us he'll bless your socks off. He's a good God. He'll bless you more than your boss will bless you. He'll bless you more than the stock market will bless you. He'll bless you better than anybody's ever blessed. He'll bless you better than you can imagine. You honor and bless God and worship God. He'll bless you. He'll bless your children. He'll bless your children's children. That's what Psalm 112 says. Like, but you got to understand who God is. And so the Psalm 112 is a powerful, beautiful, poetic psalm. Like we should go home and read it. And be like, wow, God, I'm going to declare this over my family. I'm going to declare this over my home. You're going to bless me and my children. All the generations after me. Do we believe that in Jesus' name? And so what we do is that many times we don't appropriate to what God's word tells us about our lives. So we just, it's just the way I am. It's just what God handed down to me. No, but there's a blessing in change. The baton of anger, the baton of dysfunction probably got handed down to me. Maybe it got dropped somewhere along the way and my family didn't know how to pass on good, godly, healthy things. But today, I, I serve a God that gives me a different baton. He gives me health. He gives me blessings. He gives me wholeness in Jesus' name. And today, there's a blessing if you can change. There's a blessing for our families if we can change. Are you following along so far, God? If we can understand this, like I want to raise my family in the, the ways of Psalm 112. I want to follow God's direction for my life. And I'm not just going to be a victim to what happened in my family. Old Hebrews, they used to sit around Psalm 112 and literally they used to sing this at their tables. And they were declaring, like, this is what's going to happen with our families. It's beautiful. Look how it starts. We're going to focus on the first two verses. One more time. Let's read the first two verses. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Come on, the generation of the upright will be blessed. After me, my generation, my children's children's children will be blessed. Okay, so how does this begin? Psalm 112, the first sentence, phrase, the first couple of words are praise the Lord. Come on, say that with me. Come on. Praise the Slap your neighbor and tell him, praise the Lord. If God ain't first in your life, you can't be blessed. The psalm starts with praising who God is. In the Hebrew, it's hallel yah. Basically, is where we get our English word, hallelujah. When we say hallelujah, we're saying praise the Lord. This man that is blessed understands that you bless the Lord at all times. Come on. You just don't bless him when you get the bonus check. You just don't bless him when you're healthy. Come on. You bless him when you're healthy and when you're sick. You bless him when you're rich and when you're poor. You bless him in good times and you bless him in bad times. Oh, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. I'm going to praise him. Not because of what I have, but because of all he's given me. Oh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on, Calvary. Somebody praise the Lord this morning. Come on. Being a Christian doesn't mean God's giving you everything you want. Being a Christian means he already gave you all you need. What's wrong with you today? I'm, 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 I'm fired. It's like, 
I know I got fire and it is mixing with my emotions and my feelings, but I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm redeemed. He took me from the mind. Come on, somebody. You praise him. This isn't Western Christianity. God is a genie in an ATM machine, and he just gives me what I want. He gave me everything at the cross. He gave me redemption. He gave me salvation. He gave me deliverance. He healed me. He forgave me. He saved me. Come on. And so the blessed man and the blessed woman understands you always praise the Lord. You always give a hallelujah no matter what. And I think out of the first, especially the first two, the rest we see what happens when you do this. But the first two verses show us some things in our life that we need to correct if we want to have a blessing of change in our family. What do we need to change? What do we need to look at? What do we need to correct if we want a blessed legacy? Number one, I think it's important what we worship. Somebody say worship. He starts with saying praise the Lord. And I think in today's world, many of us are worshiping the wrong thing as families. Many of us, like, we just gather together and we just... Our families, and all we talk about is money. All we talk about is culture, society, what's going on. We talk about what's going on in school with our kids as far as homework and sports and all that, but we don't center our lives around God. We don't center our lives around... What, what are we truly worshiping as a family? Like you, with your spouse or with your kids or with your mom or your dad. Like, what are you... I told you, growing up, my, my parents were literally... Not just because they're here, I say this every time. My dad would literally grab us, sit us in the living room eight, nine, ten years old, read the Bible and say, come on, we're going to worship God. 15, 20 minutes. You turn off that golden eye Nintendo 64 and you come over here. <laughs> Best game of all time. <laughs> come on, we're going to worship God. And I said, you, your kids are going to react. They're going to get upset. Like, I, I didn't want to turn off golden eye. I was beating every level. I had the golden gun. <laughs> right? I don't want to talk about but, but you know what? Nowadays, we said this in week one, we give kids too many options. I didn't have an option, but I thank God for parents that make God the center of our home. And for 15, 20 minutes, we're going to worship God, and we're going to talk about it. But we don't do that anymore. As parents, we're not raising our kids, and we expect our youth parents to do it, our youth pastors to do it. We expect pastors to do it, but you're the first pastor in the home. You're the first leader of the home. And what we need is more godly men, or if you're a single mom, more godly women to stand up and say, I'm going to be the pastor of the home. I'm going to be the one shepherding them. I'm going to be the one teaching them. Right? But we got to put God at the center. And then we don't even do it during the week, and then we make Sunday optional. It's like, no, like, God comes first. What do we worship as a family? Put God at the center. It's not going to be money. If your family is all about money, when money goes, because money comes and goes. When it goes, what would your family stand on? It can't be health. Health and beauty. I love my wife. She's beautiful. That beauty will fade, the Bible says. Literally says, the Bible says, beauty will fade. You can nip and tuck and all lift and all that you want, but... Ain't nothing wrong with that. Do what you got to do, boo-boo. But, <laughs> but that can't be the center of our relationships. You build it on that. What do we stand on? Come on, church. It's God and nothing else. I worship God. Praise the Lord. Blessed are all those who fear him. That word literally means you're reverent toward God. You worship God. You honor God with the way you talk. How do you talk in front of your kids? How do you talk in front of your parents? Watch our mouth. I've seen more Christians curse in the last few years than I've ever saw growing up. It's like we're, we have so much freedom now as Christians. We're abusing our freedoms. 
come on, let's clean our mouths, let's clean our hearts, let's clean our spirits and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord God, we'll worship God, we'll honor him, we'll praise him. And it says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And it says, his delights are in his commandments. In other words, your delights will determine your direction. What you delight in, what you spend time in, what you give value to, what you worship will determine your life. As a family, what are you giving the most value to, the most time to? What is it? Today, let's ask ourselves these questions because I want to pass on a baton of godliness to my family, to parents, to cousins, to sons, to daughters. I, I want health. I want a good legacy like Psalm 112. And so I have to understand, maybe the first thing I need to change is I need to put God back in my home back at the center in how I treat people. I'm going to read Psalm 111 so that I can live out Psalm 112. God at the center. Number two, priorities. What are our priorities in our life? What are the priorities in our life? Because I think some of us, we just are living with places all over the place. Like I just do one week, this is important. Another week, something else is important. And if you're not careful, if your priorities are out of order, your family is going to be out of order. Pastor Jimmy Evans, who I got a lot of this from, he said, strong families, they have good priorities. What's important to your family? For sure, God is first. But then what else? Is family time important? Is work important? Some of us got it all out of order. Good things out of order will turn to bad things. Nothing's wrong with work. We should all work. You got to work. If you're a man here, you, you got to work. If you're a 38-year-old man and you're at home with mom and you're not working, you need to go to work. I don't know what you got to do, but you got to work, right? But work should never come before family. Me and Diana, we were youth pastors here for two years, and I probably did youth ministry for almost 20 years. And I'll never forget youth, like literally teenagers coming up to us saying, yeah, my dad's giving me everything, but, but he's never home. And they won't tell you some of the stuff they tell us. What they tell Phil and Danny now, what they tell some of the youth leaders, like, you got them PlayStation 27, amazing. They don't want that. They want to spend time with you. You can get them all the material things in the world. That's not going to make them happy. Your priorities are out of order. Like, we put work, then we put God, then more work, and then family. Then we wonder why we got broken homes. We wonder why we got dysfunction. We wonder why there's no health in our family. Like, let's get our priorities in order. Every single human being across the world is after this pursuit of happiness, and we got this ideal look at happiness. But the word blessed there in Psalm 112, literally in the Hebrew, it means happy. Not happy in our Western Americanized version, but it literally means content. You're happy in all circumstances. And the way Psalm 112 begins, it says, their children will be mighty in the land. Your happiness, you're blessed, you're content because you got good, healthy relationships. And so I'm not going to put family last in my priority order. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to put family second. Then I'll put work and everything else that follows. But, but I value my spouse. I value my mom and my dad. I value my sister. I value my brother. I value my cousin. Where does your family land in your priorities order? And so if we want strong families, priorities matter. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Some of us today, we just need a reality check that we don't know how long we're going to be on this earth for. We don't know how long mom and dad are going to be around. 
We have no idea how long a brother or a sister may be here. Come on, can we just be honest? Some of us have gone through this. And usually the words that come out is like, I should have spent more time with them. Let's, let's make our priorities right. I shared this in week one, but seven years ago when we became lead pastors, we made a change. We used to have midweek services every week. And we said, we're not going to have midweek service every week. We don't need more people in church every single night of the week. I went to church like that. I grew up like that. Monday nights was prayer. Tuesday night was evangelism. Wednesday night was hot. Friday, Thursday, I mean, every night I had something. And me and Diana said, like, no, we're not going to do that. We want strong families. If every night we're here, how are we going to make a difference there? If every night we're here, how are we going to make a difference in the community? I don't need a bunch of lights in here. I need a bunch of lights out there making a difference in the city. And so we just said, we're going to put our family first. And I told you, people got mad. People got mad. They called me names. People left the church. And I'm like, that's fine. Go love your family on the way out. <laughs> right? Like, we're going to be here Sundays. And Sundays is not optional for my family. We're going to be here. The day of tomorrow, if Aria wants to wear headphones all day, as long as she's in here, I don't care. But Sundays is not optional. During the week, we're going to sit down as a family. We're going to love on each other. We're going to go to families' houses. We're going to go out with friends. We're going to build good, healthy relationships. Some people, I think, are addicted more to environments than they are in love with Jesus. It's like, man, we got to have good priorities. God comes first. My personal relationship with God. Lead your family in that way. We need to get our priorities in order. Amen? Amen. Don't make it optional. The Bible says this in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from. If God is not priority in your life, he won't be priority in your children's life. God comes first. God comes first. Number three, unity. Some things that we need to do, that we need to start fighting for is unity. Strong families fight for unity. I'm not saying uniformity. I'm not saying all your family needs to think like you, act like you, dress like you, talk like you. But we're going we're to stay united. We're going to fight for unity. I'm not going to have my family divided and we don't talk to each other in two, three years, four years. We're going to talk it out. And if there needs to be healthy boundaries, we'll figure it out. But I'm not going to create majors out of minors. There's small things in the family that we don't need to argue about all the time. Because it's just going to create more dysfunction, more unforgiveness, more bitterness. And some of us, we're majoring on something right now that doesn't need to be a major thing. You're mad at your spouse, you're mad at your son and your daughter because of something that you don't even like. I can't stop, I'm not going to talk to him anymore. That's minor. You know, I'd rather win the relationship than win an argument. Like, I know your son or your daughter are probably not doing what you like, all how you like, but when they're hard over and say, God, in Jesus' name, help me to love them well. Help me to be a good example of Jesus in their life. And so sometimes we just major on some things that are not major. Sometimes we need to compromise. Diana said, she said to me the other day, it's better to lose a battle and win the war. I'm okay losing some arguments as long as we win the war of love, family, and unity. I'm okay. I don't need to have the last word in the argument. Guess what? We're going to be together in Jesus' name. Some of us need to learn to compromise. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's okay. You don't need to watch your show every night. Let your wife watch what she wants to watch. Let your kids watch what they want to watch. The Heat are probably not going to make the playoffs. You don't need to watch them every night. <laughs> right? But we just major on minors all the time. And I just think when there's unity in the family, not uniformity, but when there's unity, God blesses that. Psalm 133, verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Come on, fight for unity. What are some common ground that you can find with your parents, 
with your kids, with your spouse. Say, I'm going to go out. I'm going to talk to them about what they like. Maybe it bores you to death. Who cares? Lose the battle to win the war. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to sit down with my son and my daughter. Maybe, I don't care if they love Peppa the Pig. I'm going to talk about Peppa the Pig for an hour. But anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't care about Peppa the Pig. <laughs> the band's going to come up. We, we're going over time. But let's finish with this last one. Number four, we also need to work on being consistent. Let's work on being consistent. Consistency. Strong families, they're consistent. And I think we're living in a very erratic unstable world and if you look at families very unstable we're in church one week and we won't show up for four months and then we'll come again when it's easter and then maybe when santa's here at christmas and like we're just unstable and we may pray one week and we don't pray for another year and we may sit down and have family dinner okay guys we're having family dinner every week on tuesday night we're gonna have family dinner you do that once or twice your kids see when you're not consistent we saw it we know people I think today people, their words aren't consistent. We say yes and we don't do it. We say no, we don't do it. Like, we, we are just not consistent people. If we want strong families, let's be people who are consistent. That's good. That's right. If you live your life based off emotions, you're going to be inconsistent across the board. And so, so love is not based on feelings. And I think nowadays we build families and homes based on feelings like I married her because she was beautiful man I love her I just see her and she gives me butterflies pastor I love her man, like, man it's all good yeah, those butterflies are gonna turn to caterpillars one day you're not gonna like each other like you ever wake up and you're just like who did I marry I can't stand this you can't stand yourself sometimes it's okay to admit it right but if you go based on feelings love won't last you're not gonna like your parents every the time you're not gonna like your kids all the time amen some people say amen really strong there. But, <laughs> but I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be, God, so help me, God, I'm going to be consistent in the way I love my wife. I'm not going to get it perfect every time, but I made a decision before God and before people to be faithful and to love my wife. Nowadays, we're living in a culture in our society where vows, we just throw them out the window. They don't mean nothing. Nobody sticks to a word that they gave. Let's be consistent. I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to be a good wife. I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good son. I'm going to be a good daughter. Let's stick to our word. Let's be people of consistency. Consistency. Like, let's think about it. God is consistent. How inconsistent are we with God, yet he's faithful? Come on, I've turned my back on God a million times. We've hurt him. We've irritated him. Imagine if God moved by feelings and wasn't consistent. God's like, you got on my nerves today. Just get out of my, don't even, don't even go worship. You got on my last nerve. God's consistent. He's merciful. He's compassionate. Every day, every morning, his mercies are made new. Psalm 112, if you actually read it correctly, it says that the blessed man or the blessed woman, they actually start to mirror and look like God. You read Psalm 111 and Psalm 112. Psalm 111 says he's gracious and merciful. Psalm 112 says you're gracious and merciful. Because as you worship God, as you get your priorities right, as you start to focus on the right things, as you decide to say, we're going to fight for unity, you'll start to look like Jesus. So there'll be more consistency in my life and in your life. And we'll wake up every day and we'll say, I'm going to be consistent. I'm, I'm, I want a legacy of blessing in my life. 
I want a legacy of blessing for my children, for my children's children. And I'm not going to receive what God handed down to me. I'm going to choose change, and I'm going to receive the baton from God and pass on godliness, pass on compassion, because I can decide to change today and not continue to live like a victim. I finished with the story, and I asked my wife if I can share it, and she said yes, but yesterday we were, we were out. We were out at the mall and made, made some run. We, we wanted Aria to get a little bit of sun because we wanted her. She gets sun, supposedly helps with melatonin so she could sleep. And Anyways, wanted her to get sun. We just want her to sleep. So we, we, we went out. <laughs> we went out, and, uh, we got, <laughs> and we got home, and, and, we, and when we got home, she was like in just the best mood, so I pick her up, and just she's laughing and I'm holding her and holding her and just like picking her up in the air and making her laugh and she's cracking up and um, I know Diana was behind me taking a video and then I just I start hearing Diana cry and I'm like oh my god and I, I look at Diana I'm like is everything okay babe I'm sorry what do I do I apologize compromise I love you <laughs> and I'm like no she's like no I'm okay and I'm like oh my god what did I do I forgot something I, oh my god God help me and I'm like babe What's going on? And, and then she just said, no, like, I'm just, I'm just happy because Ari's going to have something that I didn't have. And she's, she's shared her story here all the time for years, but she's like, she's going to experience a father loving her her whole life. She's going to experience a father being there for her her whole life. And it just made us think, like, you can change your legacy. And just because you got handed down something doesn't mean that's what I'm going to hand down to my generation and the people after me. Like, maybe your dad wasn't there. You be there. Maybe your mom walked out. You stay in. Maybe your dad was inconsistent with love. Maybe your sister or brother was inconsistent. I don't know. In Jesus' name, we're going to make a difference and we're going to change. We're going to have good families and blessings on our life. Like, I'm just going to decide to make a change in my family. And as long as God gives me the ability and the grace and I stay faithful, I want to be there for them the rest of my life. Come on, we can do it. We can say, I'm going to create a new legacy, a new family line, a line of blessings, a line of godliness where we worship him, where our priorities are right, where we fight for unity and we're consistent. Amen. Come on, why don't we stand up to our feet all across this place. With every eye closed, every head bowed, we're leaving in just a moment. If you're here and you don't know God, if you're here and you feel far from God, you're saying, Alex, I feel far from God. I know I've messed up. Alex, you have no idea where I've been, what I've done. I don't. God does, but he loves you. With every eye closed, every head bowed. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all sinned. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. God is love, but he's holy and he can't be with sin. But the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came and he grabbed all of my sin, all of your sin, and he went up on a cross at Calvary and he gave up his life for me and for you. Jesus died the death that you and I should have died. He died in our place. He was dead for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. I believe with all my heart, Jesus is alive. He changed my life. He can change your life today. With every eye closed, every head bowed. Today, if you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. I know I've sinned. I know I've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. I feel far from God. God the Father has his arms open wide and he's waiting for you today. 
We're about to leave, but I'm going to count to three. If that's you, if you're saying, Alex, I want to repent of my sins. I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. I'm telling you, no other relationship can give you peace like Jesus. The bottom of a bottle won't do it. The cars won't do it. The house won't do it. The money won't do it. The drugs won't do it. Only Jesus can give you hope and peace. Today, if that's you, if you're saying, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness, every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm gonna count to three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'll see you really quick, then you can put it right back down. I'm not gonna embarrass you. Nobody looking around in a moment of privacy, in a moment of prayer. If you're saying, I need Jesus today, I want forgiveness, you raise up your hand high enough, long enough for me to see it, then you put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Hands raised up all over the place, all over the place. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you. Amazing, 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 amazing. You can put your hands back down. I'm going to say a simple prayer, and I want you to repeat this prayer with me. In fact, the whole church, why don't we say this out loud? Say, Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, oh, come on, from today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, hands went up everywhere. I know we went over time. I'm sorry about that. We're about to leave. And our, our services are usually a little bit shorter, but today was... I just sense God was doing something, but if you raise your hand, we have a free gift for you outside. There's a Connect tent out there. The best people, I don't know about anywhere else in the church, but the best people are in that tent. Pass by, say hi to them. They got this back for you. Absolutely free. No strings attached. There's a Bible in there, a letter for me and Diana, a free coffee cup, a bunch of stuff. We want to give it to you, so make sure you pass by there. Come on, let's leave out of here. Worshiping God one more time. With every hand lifted, Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for your good grace, your love, and your mercy. We pray that you go before us this week. Let your glory shine upon our face. We pray that we would have blessed families, blessed homes, and help us by leading the charge. In Jesus' name, amen.